you can always, always email us, lrpdsworenidentity at gmail.com. If you have questions, concerns, uh, my guest today, of course, with Tino, Jonathan Tolentino, you want to introduce right. yourself? Yeah, Moffat yeah. Tolentino. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, we got a lot to get to today. We're talking about homicides today, Tino, and uh, we brought in Lieutenant uh, Travis Cumming today as a guest. Uh, Lieutenant, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. So a lot of people often see see us in the streets or see us on television, uh, you see the television shows and wonder about homicide, homicide detectives. Tell us exactly, first of all, what is a homicide? What What's the actual definition? So every death that occurs falls into one of five manners of death. That's right. the legal classification in which a death falls. Those classifications are natural. So if a person dies of old age, dies right. of cancer, something along those lines. Accidental, a traffic accident or a fall out of a deer stand, something along those lines. You can have, it's rare, you can have an undetermined manner of death. Mm-hmm. Um, if, say, they found skeletal remains and there was no obvious signs of trauma, right. there's no chemicals or anything that they find in the blood marrow, so there's no way of knowing what happened, that would be an undetermined. Okay. Then you have suicides, which is any time a person takes action that leads to their own death. Mm-hmm. Or what we're here to talk about today is homicide. Homicide as a manner of death is a legal definition that only means that a person killed another person. Mm. It does not carry criminality with it. Right. So as an example, if a person goes into a liquor store and they shoot the clerk and kill them, that's a criminal homicide. Correct. If, however, say a police officer is doing a traffic stop Mm -hmm. and the person inside the car shoots at that officer Mm -hmm. and the officer returns fire, strikes the suspect and kills them, Mm -hmm. that is still a homicide. It is not a criminal homicide. It will be evaluated by the prosecuting attorney's office and ruled justified. So I want people to understand when they hear that an incident has been ruled a homicide, that does not mean it was criminal in action. Gotcha. And that makes sense. And it's important because I think a lot of people, and I've said this, you know, in my uh, when I speak with some of the media people, uh, I, I often say to them, you know, when you hear homicide, you guys, you know, think the world is on fire. We, now that I've worked here at the police department, you hear homicide, it, totally different meaning. So describe just your job, because I know a lot of people hear about homicide detectives and they think, oh, gosh, yeah, I got I to gotta, I gotta get to that. So just describe what you do. So homicide detectives at the Little Rock Police Department investigate all non-natural deaths that occur in the city with the exception of traffic accidents. Gotcha. This includes industrial accidents, it includes overdoses, it includes suicides, and of course it includes homicides. Mm-hmm. Whether those homicides are later ruled justified or mm-hmm. whether there's criminal action involved, we investigate all of them. Ultimately, a detective's job is to find the truth. And mm-hmm. we find that truth without prejudices or opinions. We then evaluate that truth to determine if probable cause exists to pursue criminal charges. Criminal investigations are solved through a combination of indisputable facts, Hmm. statements from witnesses, from victims, from suspects, and both physical and forensic evidence. And a homicide detective combines substantial experience, knowledge, and hard work to find these things put it all together and evaluate to see if a crime occurred. So it takes a lot to 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 solve this. You're looking into a lot of things yes. to solve homicides. Now, I know a lot of people uh, what catches a lot of attention is the the shows, the first 48s. As a homicide detective, you know, my favorite Tino, <laughs> I, I love the ID channel. I watch Snapped religiously. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 for me it's got to happen. Uh but 
they really get in the weeds. Uh, just just from your perspective, what are the actions that are taken? Because we, we hear first 48, you get the first 48 hours. It's a show, and I know that's all for, for Hollywood. But for you guys that actually have to get in the weeds and do the work, what does it actually mean? Yeah, unfortunately, television shows and movies <laughs> give, give members of the community a very unrealistic expectation yeah. of what police departments can and can't do. Yeah. So anytime two human beings come together, that interaction creates evidence. Mm-hmm. We're sitting in this room talking to each other right now. There is evidence. Right. There are, there's DNA that's being passed back and forth. There's skin cells that I'm going to leave in this chair when I get up. So that interaction creates evidence. So we have to secure the crime scene. Gotcha. That can be difficult at times because families get very emotional. Mm. We have families that try to get into the scene because they want to see their loved one. They're upset. They're in a, in a very enhanced emotional state of being. But we can't let them do that. Right. We have to remove emotion from it because we can't let them contaminate the scene. We can't let them potentially damage evidence. And ethically, it would be horrible of us to let someone see their loved one yeah, laying yeah. there suffering from gunshot wounds or some sort of trauma. And, and no one should see that as the last time they see their loved one. We have to evaluate that physical at the scene, and then we have to apply what's called victimology. What that means is we want to know as much as we can about the victim. Who were they? Who were their friends? Who were their associates? Who were their domestic partners? Were there any kind of gang affiliation? Mm -hmm. What kind of high-risk behaviors did they engage in on a regular basis? Mm -hmm. Or if they didn't, then we look for witnesses. We canvass the area. There's a lot of stuff that goes into the initial part of that investigation. And gathering all that in that first 48 hours is crucially important. That helps us understand the behavioral aspect of this interaction between two people that led to a person being killed. Once we begin to understand that behavioral aspect, if we are able to identify a suspect, Mm -hmm. knowing the driving psychological pattern that drove that suspect to commit the crime can inform us on how we want to interview that person when we get that opportunity. Was this a crime of anger? Was it retaliation? Was it passion? All of those things make a difference in how we pursue that suspect. Right. So, so as so that's why a lot of times that homicide scenes or, or just scenes in general where it's taped off, Tino officers are, yeah, I'm having a hard time hearing my ears too. But officers are are at the scene, and that's your purpose. I mean, just just at the scene, uh, so people won't. Intervene. Yeah, and and a lot of times also, you know, as the officer on scene, um, obviously once the detective gets there, you know, their officer, like like LT said, their job is to kind of find the facts and find the evidence, find what's going on, and and take care of that. The officers on scene are there to pretty much hold, um, like he said, is keep people from coming into that scene yeah. and disturbing any kind of evidence that's there at the crime scene. Um, you know, of course, we always try to do it to where we're not having to. It's obviously use force mm-hmm. uh, on somebody to remove him from there. Right. Sometimes it, it, it does unfortunately lead to that point. Uh, and by force, I mean like grabbing him, having to like, you know, essentially bear hug him, like get him out the way mm-hmm. or something, you know, obviously. But uh, for the most part, most people are, are, are pretty good at, you know, uh, following our commands as to staying out of the crime scene. That's why we typically try to have a, pr- a, a good amount of officers out there. That way, if, you know, sometimes these people that show up, do tend to be more than one or two. It can be five, six. The whole family's coming over. You got aunts, right. uncles, cousins right. coming over. That we need more than one or two officers to do it. You know, right. so 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 you have to take the emotion out of things. And I've had to remind uh, people in the media, uh, journalists about that. You know, because people will complain and say, you know, officers are mean to me and this that. The reality is, officers have to take the emotion out of everything to make sure that they are able to 
keep keep things in perspective. And Tino, you talked about some of the most important things about it. Yeah, and then and, and even I've I haven't heard you mention it, Lieutenant. Was that you know whenever you start talking to people, is you ask neighbors, you ask everybody there. So obviously, it's it's a a big piece of the investigation is the community involvement and in, in trying to solve these cases. Um, could you just tell us a little bit of how or why it's so important for the community to get involved in this to assist? Absolutely. No crime is solved in a vacuum. For every crime that occurs in this city, we initially have thousands of potential suspects because we have thousands of people in the city. Right. We also have potential witnesses everywhere. We have potentially other victims' places. People hear things. People see things. People have cameras at their homes. People have see and hear things on social media. We ask that people help us. Right. We have to have community involvement to solve these crimes. If you see something, if you hear something, share it with us. Tell us. We've had 42 homicides in Little Rock this year, and we have solved 36 of them. Every single one of those has had some measure of involvement from people within the community that have assisted us in solving those homicides. We don't do it all by ourselves, and we right. can't. We have to have the help of the community. Right, and, and that's, that's the big message is having the community's involvement because the community or, or that family in particular is looking for some sort of closure. And, and talk about you know that making that phone call to the family member to let them know you've actually made an arrest or, or that, that gratification that comes from that. Yeah, that, uh, that, that's a big thing for a homicide detective. Yeah. You know, I think that deep down in our heart, and I've been doing this job for 23 years, mm-hmm. I think deep down we all still really believe in why we became police officers. I know I do. Yeah. I love my job. I believe in helping people. It's why I got into law enforcement. I believe in the rule of law. And every single one of my detectives feels the same way. When someone is murdered, it goes so far beyond the victim and so far beyond just their family, their friends, their coworkers, the entire community that they're a part of, their church, their social group. Everyone feels that. It's so much different than most of the other crimes that we deal with. We can never take away the pain of what happened because we can't change the past. But we can, when we're able to solve a crime, we can at least give them some glimmer of hope mm-hmm. that they can get to the bottom of why this occurred and maybe find some kind of closure. Yeah. For unsolved homicides, we never stop working them. Yeah. An unsolved homicide is never closed. I don't know if I can really bring closure to a grieving family because the hurt and loss is always going to be there. But what we can do is take away the unknown. We can take away that dark cloud that lingers over them while they're waiting to hear what's going to happen to the person who committed this crime. So I know when we when we do have a homicide, we put out our social media and we put it on our platforms, um, numbers to call. Uh, one of the numbers would be major crimes to call you guys with any information that they know. I think that's the 501-371-4660. Is Correct. Is there a better number, a better way to get in touch, or is that the probably the best way? That's probably the best way. Yeah. Um, if you say something, though, that is an emergency, mm-hmm. that if you say you th- think you see the suspect and they're armed and you see them run into a grocery store, please call 911. Yeah. But. It's important for people to remember that they can call in tips anonymously. We don't have to know your name. You don't have to tell us who you are. Every tip we get, we take seriously and we look into it. Well, and that's the important part. And again, people need to realize that, you know, you guys are here for a purpose. And the purpose is to investigate. And a lot of investigative things mean preserving scenes and things of that nature. So uh, I appreciate you coming on today, man. Absolutely. It's glad to be here. Good, good, good to see you. Yeah, thank good. you, LT. Thank you for uh, taking time out your busy day because I know you guys stay busy over there. So thank you for coming out here and uh, doing this.
Don't forget, if you uh, have a question, it's lrpdswornidentity at gmail.com. We'll take your questions. Of course, we'll always be able to pass anything on. And, and once again, the number is 501-371. I think it's 4660 for that, those tips. Uh, LT, thanks for coming in. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys next time on LRPD Sworn Identity. <laughs>